Welcome to this week's episode of the Down the Pub podcast. We are honoured to be joined by Privateers Player of the Year and York 9 uh, new recruit Matthew Arnone. Carlos also joined us to ask Matt some questions as well. As always, you can follow us on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. We'd love to hear from you. Head to downthepub.ca to subscribe. Now on with the show. Welcome to this week's episode of the Down the Pub podcast. We're joined by last season's Privateers Player of the Year, Matthew Arnone. Uh, thanks for joining us, Matt. Yeah, no worries. Thanks for having me. Uh, we're also joined by Halifax Wanderer fan, Carlos Benitez. Um, thanks for joining us, Carlos. I know. Thanks for inviting me again. Thank you, Matthew, for joining us too. So uh, the first question I have for you, Matt, is uh, you joined very late in preseason last year for the Wanderers. Um how much of that actually impact your season, do you think? Um, you know, uh, initially, you know, when having signed, I, I definitely tried to manage those expectations just because that I had for myself rather, just because, you know, it is a new environment and you're, you're kind of, you really don't get that, that chance to, to settle into it before you're thrown into the fire. Right. And, and, you know, I think what really equipped me well was the, the contrast in seasons from Italy to Halifax. I was actually, you know, um, I, if I'm not mistaken, I think the last the last game was one week prior to signing. So, you know, uh, when I had, when I had spoken to ask for a, an early leave from Italy, it was kind of like I was at the end of my season or in mid season form, if you want to call it that. So, I mean, that kind of helped me a little bit. But yeah, I mean, it was definitely a transition from from you know one team to another in such a short amount of time, and then obviously not having you know any many training sessions really to get on get my feet wet with the club before I'm, I'm going and competing at, uh, against other clubs. So, uh, yeah, it was, it was a bit, a bit of a, I think if you watch the games back, it was a bit of a transition for me. I think I grew into, into the role and into, into whatever Steven was asking me to do. Um, I thought I did my best at, 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 you know, executing what he had asked, but yeah, it was definitely a transition. I think game to game, if you rewatch the, the Wanderers season, you'll see my growth, um, as the season progresses. Oh, definitely. Like it's, uh, you can totally see like where uh, after a few games, you kind of got your, your your feet under the table and you were able to, uh, you're definitely a different player, I thought. So like for, for yourself then, like um, how do you think the season went uh, personally overall for you? Yeah, I mean, going back to the beginning, uh, again, it was it was kind of an up and down. Uh, I had been playing uh, as, a, as a holding midfielder really in Italy and prior, the season prior as well. So when Steven brought me in and, and kind of, alluded to the chance of me going to center back again after, you know, it would be a two year hiatus from the position. Um, obviously that took uh, a little bit, I had a, I guess you want to call them growing pains for lack of a better word, but there was a bit of growing pains there. Um, and then, like I said, I, I feel like once I, I kind of dug in with my feet and, and I got used to, you know, the, the, the environment, the, the level, the intensity um, as you know, comparing it to Italy, um, it's not so much of a pressing game as it is a, just a tactical, um, call it a, a disciplinary game where you kind of got to hold your shape and, and pick your battles. 
Uh, in the CPL, it's quite a high pressing game. It's, it's high intensity, it's physical, and it's quite different. So, um, yeah, as the season progressed, I, I feel like I came into my own. And, and the thing that I always I found um, was my biggest enemy in, in the past was consistency. And I think I really found my consistency. So I was really happy with the season, the way it went. Um, obviously, from a team perspective, you can only take, you know, as an individual, you can only take so much pride in, in you know, drawing so many games or, or losing games and winning, you know, only a handful of games over the course of the season. But, you know, from an individual perspective, I have to be pleased with myself. We were talking to uh, to, to Guti there yesterday, and he said he said that you, you felt that you guys didn't get what you deserved last year, um, and that you were kind of unlucky. Uh, do you agree with him? I do. Um, I do. Uh, there was times where you know, and this is football, right? Especially at this level where where inches uh, separate you know results. And um, there was times where we we dominated matches. And, and we got a draw out of it. For example, you know, the, that long stretch of games, I think it was eight of the last 10 matches were draws and, and we dominated ball possession. Like, you know, it seemed that we were getting it right towards the end of the season, too little, too late, obviously. But it felt like we were starting to have our way with Forge, for example, when they came to play us and they got lucky with the last minute, the last gasp goal. And, and we played against uh, Cavalry. We held our own until obviously the wheels fell off on a set piece and uh, away from home. And, uh, you know, we had our way with, Pacific I felt in the last home match of the season and we ended up with a draw and you know it kind of came into that culminating last game where we kind of took it to York 9 and we dominated through and through I felt and you know that's football unfortunately but yeah I think we were a bit unlucky at the same token some of the wins results we got early in the season um, probably were a bit of a bad habit uh, a bad thing if you want to call it that three points is never usually a bad thing but Having Valor, for example, dominate ball possession and, and we took, you know, I, I believe it was like four of seven games from them and having them dominate the ball. And even at our at home where we were not dictating the, the pace of the play, we were not dictating the game and we came away with results. And I can count on, a, on one hand, probably a couple lucky results that we did get. So, I mean, that's the balance of football. But, uh, you know, I'd like to think that we were a tad unlucky and the, the scales were tipped uh, not so much in our favor. Was there, was there anything else that you could have, do you think that the, the team or the coaches could have done differently to try and improve the results? Um, the one thing I'll say is that I think everybody put a, a solid effort towards, towards the goal. I think it was, you know, as is for, for many of the, of the teams in the league, um, you know, Forge kind of had a little bit of an advantage already being familiar with each other. But for the most part, you know, Cavalry as well with the Foothills and and, and, you know, for the most part, those teams are, all of our teams are coming from scratch. So there's going to be a lot of inconsistency in style of play, in performance, and, and just in the, in, the, in the ability to to work as a team. I mean, it's just natural. When, when a club is, you know, 100 years old, as is, we were just talking prior to recording Napoli, you know, they have a philosophy, right? And they have a way of playing football so that when a player comes into the system, it's easy for them to integrate themselves or do their best to integrate themselves because, you know, when you think of Napoli, think of a ball ba- uh, ball possession-based team. And, and if you look at, for example, ironically, we're going to talk about Atletico Madrid and their new expansion. You know, their philosophy from top to bottom is, is you know, that that stout defending and, and uh, hitting you on the counterattack. And the thing is with the Wanderers and every other team in the league, it, we're still establishing those philosophies and those identities as a club, right? So naturally, uh, you know, I think everyone did their best to to do that. And Granted, if I if I were to put a little bit of blame on the players, I, I could say that we didn't buy in as early as we should have with, with what Steven was preaching. 
and, and you know, just trusting that process because I think towards the midseason, we, we definitely tried with failure, of course. We definitely tried to implement the system that, that was put in place and, and we definitely had the players to do that. And, you know, you kind of you kind of got glimpses of when we did get it right. It did look good, right? So, you know, conclude with just everyone definitely was on the right page. And I think these are just growing pains of a new league. That totally makes sense. I guess like the, the Fury games, would it, would it be one where it kind of, uh, clicked <laughs> that they were great games to watch this is going back to your previous question anthony about um about the experience with the wanderers it seems like when you join not too late because according to my notes i think that you play your first match with the wanderers against valor in may 11 if i'm not mistaken yep. but it seems like valor has a special vibe over your game because you started you you deb- you debuted with the Wonders with uh, against Valor on May 11. Then you score your first goal with the Wonders against Valor in the minute 58. And also when Peter Schala was out of the team because he went back to university and then Jerome Lee came in, your first match with him was also against Valor. Uh, I think it was in August, August 28 or something. Yeah. Uh, tell us more about um. Your first goal, how, how was how, what, what was happening in your mind? Uh, at the moment, you just see it, you went for it. I think it was a header. Yeah. Um, so, you know, uh, I was just a delivery on a corner. It kind of, I kind of just beat my man to the, to, to my spot. I needed to get, you know, middle goal, which was part of our tactics. You know, Peter was headed to the first post and we had mixed it up. The irony of that goal was that um, Peter and I, I, I actually scored, um, in uh, Pacific, away to Pacific, which was the Wanderers' first ever away goal, which I'll, I'll oh, yeah. always remember that for, for sure. But ironically, on both of those occasions, on both the goals that I scored, Peter and I actually had switched roles just on the fly. We kind of looked at each other and said, you want to mix it up a bit. So um, my original role was to attack the first post and Peter was going to come trailing in behind me. So on those two occasions where we looked at each other and said, hey, should we switch it up? And ended up, I ended up hitting me and going in on against Valor and and then I ended up getting a free header with uh, against Pacific. So, you know, uh, it was definitely special. I, I actually, when, when I did score against Valor at home, I had my family there. Um, they came to visit me and that was super special for me. They had flown in the night before and, uh, and that was, you know, the first, basically the first encounter with them for, you know, it had, it had almost been a, a calendar year. So that was super special for me. And uh, it's a moment I'll never forget. I actually just kind of got goosebumps as I spoke about it, but uh it was just a combination of all the hard work that had gone into it, but to be able to only not only celebrate with them, but celebrate at Wanderers grounds was, was something really special. And, uh, and like I said, in terms of goal, it was, you know, I think Peter had got the first flick and, and it kind of just hit me and went in. And, and I remember Rob Gale, the head coach of Valor was kind of shouting for handball and he did a press conference after and then talked about this controversial goal and CPL had posted also about this controversial goal, but I'll take it, and and it was the first goal of my career, right? So I'll take it, and yeah, it was uh, it was something I'll never never forget. <laughs> it was Rob Gale being Rob Gale, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> so um, it seems like you have uh, very good chemistry with Peter. I mean, he's a solid defender, and it's great in the back. Um, can you tell us more about that chemistry that you develop uh, with Peter, and how hard was when he left the Wonders, and then you have Durelli, which is another great player, but I know I think that you had to start like from zero just to develop that chemistry again. 
Yeah, I mean, playing as a center back is is difficult because you're it's one of the only positions where you work in tandem with someone else, right? So, you know, you, you as a center back, you not only work in tandem with your center back, you also work in tandem with the whole back line. You work in tandem with your your full back as well, and and one slip up can can definitely cost you or one miscommunication. So, towards the beginning of the season, um, I, like I said, I had you know I had worked, I had trained, I believe, three or four times before playing against Valor that first game. But I wasn't really working with Peter, right? So I played the first two games. I played an, another game away to Cavalry um, as a as a holding midfielder, and then Stephen kind of looked at me and said, "Hey, we're going to move you to the back line." And, and yeah, that was kind of you know it was kind of all hands on deck. And myself and Peter, we worked really hard to get on the same page. And there was a bit of contrasting philosophies, obviously, and contrasting ideas. Um, but more more or less, you know, we had we both had the right mentality and. Peter and I are still very good friends uh, because of that chemistry that we built over the course of the season. And I think it was pretty evident on the field. I think as from a fan's perspective, from an analyst's perspective, uh, you know, uh, you know, we, we became one of the, one of the top defensive pairings and center back pairings in the, in the league. And I think that was, that was held over the course of the entire uh, tenure that he was there prior to going back to school. And I think we complemented each other really well. And, you know, he's a, very very stingy defender he's awesome with you know winning balls in the air and I don't think I saw him lose one to be honest and uh you know he's got he kind of had my back and and I kind of you know played out of the back and and did my thing but with without the fear because I had Peter with me right so you know I think we complemented each other really well and uh and yeah it was it was sad to I was sad to see him go because it was it was really pleasurable to play with him and and we still maintain that friendship that we that we built on the field off the field because we spoke at length in the off season and and even when I had signed with York Nine, he he kind of wished me well and and kind of was really appreciative of our our relationship. And then I guess I'll touch on the second part of the question. You know, when he left, you know, Duran is is a Bond guy, right? So he came from Bond and similar. You know, it was kind of me going back into my Bond roots. And and in that moment, I felt that was the best thing to do in order to establish that connection and establish that partnership as quickly as possible. He came midseason. And there wasn't really much time to experiment with ideas, right? So I kind of found myself being flexible and fluid with the way that I approached being a center back, depending on who my partner was. I also spent some time with Shakib, and he required a different type of support, right? So, yeah, just, you know, he had been a guy that had been exposed to Vaughn. And, and in that, you know, going back to the last part with the philosophy and a playing style, Vaughn has a very distinct playing style where they build out of the back. And they have their center backs nice and wide. And, and it was, you know, all kinds of tactical, um, tactical rules and instructions that were given to us that I felt would be easiest to complement him knowing the system already. And I kind of just followed suit, right, to make a transition easy for him. And he did really well. And, and again, another friendship that we built on the field that, that remains off the field. So it was, uh, it was an interesting season, I guess, because I guess when Peter left, I, I guess throughout the course of the whole season, I was the one that, that remained on the field uh, for whatever reason. So it was interesting working with so many different center back partners, but that's football. And, and as professionals, we need to adapt to that. Right. But uh, I mean, I think I did my best to do so. And I think Peter, you know, Peter was someone that, you know, when working together, I think it was a, uh, it was a formidable pairing. So it, it was a, definitely a joy to play with him. So do you think that uh, pretty much when Peter left, you roll kind of like you were Peter Shala and, you got to transmit that vibe to Duran Lee, but it wasn't much effort because you guys come from Bond, but 
do you feel like it was a big pressure for you kind of like being not in a mentor role, but quizás, but like maybe because you guys are pairs and you got a chemistry with, with Peter. So it was difficult for you to transmit what Peter told you to do in the pitch to Duran. I like to think that the pairing, you know, I, I approached the pairing and I hope Peter did too as a, as a pairing. It's just that, right. And, and I don't think there was anyone telling anyone else what to do rather Um, when the support was necessary, we covered for each other and we worked well together. Um, I don't think there was any, you know, command on the field for any other reason other than what was the right thing to be doing, right? And and if you needed to give your head a shake, then Peter would help me. And if I needed to help him in whatever way I needed to help him, then I would help him tactically or on a decision-making perspective, uh, whatever the case may be. And, and I took that approach as well. Yes, I guess the answer would be yes in the short. Um, when Peter did leave, uh, you know, I didn't, take the reins and say, Hey, well, Peter's gone. So now I'm going to be the guy. And, you know, Peter did really well. He had a great season. I don't know that I had this, I have the season that I have without Peter. And I don't know that Peter has the season that he had without me. So um, I think we complimented each other really, really well. Um, um, yeah. And then when Duran came, I, I just, rather than command him or make him move in a certain way or, you know, yell and scream at him or give him direction, I kind of, I kind of took a little bit more of a passive approach to that and, and made his transition as easy as possible as I could. And uh, yeah, I mean, it came with some bumps in, in the road for sure, but I, I didn't approach it like I'm number one and he's number two. And now I can, you know, mold this guy into doing whatever he wants and whatever I want him to do rather and, and all that stuff. I, I, what I actually tried to do was work with him and work with his strengths and try and, you know, try and be a support system for him rather than at least in his early games when he could get his you know his feet wet so um yeah it was it's a partnership first and foremost so when Durant came in like you said um it didn't change much for me just because I felt like now it's it's going to require a different demand for me it's going to require a different skill set from me in order to help this team succeed with a different player because each player has their own strengths and strengths and weaknesses right so I just tried to compliment Durant just as I tried to compliment Peter Yep. So, as we said in the intro there, you were named the Privateers Player of the Year. Uh, how honored were you to uh, to receive that award? Uh, yeah, that was uh, that was something for sure. Um, you know, I had I had re been reached out to by my by my family when it happened. I didn't even I wasn't even aware of it. Um, my mom had uh, had let me know um, that there was some voting on Twitter, and and Oxner was kind of me and Oxner are quite good friends as well, and we were we were kind of talking about it. He was kind of you know, bantering me saying that I had the Italians voting for me because I was winning the, the, uh, the voting and he was in second and all that stuff. So I, you know, someone brought it to my attention and, you know, it's an honor because, you know, the fan base in, in Halifax is so passionate and, uh, they really do love their football. They really do care about their football. And, um, it was definitely, you know, second to none in the league and to have that award given by the fans rather than, You know, you know, sometimes it's great when coaches and, and these sort of media teams, they give you, you know, I was on a couple team of the years from, you know, these third party media accounts. And, and that's great. And those are great honors as well. But when you're playing in front of these fans and you're you're giving, you know, you're leaving it all out there rather. And they see that and they appreciate that and they want to repay you in whatever way that they can. Um, it's it's really special. Right. And a, and, a and a passionate organization such as Halifax and their fan base in order to get that award 
um, it requires some it requires some hard work, and just to have that hard work noticed was was really special for me. That's awesome. Uh, so, where do you keep the trophy? Uh, actually, I don't, I don't have the trophy. The privateers have it. Oh um, my! I, oh really? They took it back? Yeah, yeah. So, so basically, what they do is they give you like a little a little plaque right on the bottom, and they they engrave your name in it. So. I'll always be uh, a part of Halifax history for sure. So that's, that's so special for me. It's a prop for the picture only. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess everybody like talks about every player we've talked to. Uh, they always talk about the atmosphere at the Wanderers Ground and stuff like that. Like, like from a player's perspective, because obviously we're in the stands and we don't get to feel this. What what's it feel like as a player playing in front of six thousand crazy Haligonians? No, it's it's great, and and you know, it's like I said, uh, you know, being there is is second, you know, second to none in terms of environment in the league, right? And and it's it's something that's electric. You feel it, you know. It's it's got, you got a little bit of extra jump on game day, and uh, when you're playing at home, rather, and you know, it's it's something special, and and that was something that was organic, and that was something that you know built, and and it started off for me in my first home game with the with the club was. You know, it's it's quite a large number of people. It's quite you know, and, and you, everyone knows about it. oh the nerves of you know TV and this and that, and it it quickly became excitement, right? And and after you get into the environment and you feel not just the noise but the support from the from the group, you know, from from the privateers. I, I believe it's uh, block one hundred two as well. And there's so many supporters groups, and everyone's really just cheering you on for better or for worse. I mean, you saw that the success level of the Wanderers on the field wasn't matched to the fan base, right? The fan base deserved better, in my opinion, based on the results that we produced, especially at home. But it was unconditional love. It was unconditional support. And I think that's the truly special thing. So from first game to last game, you know, it quickly became excitement to play on match day. And and honestly, it's something I've never, I've never really felt before um, playing the game. And, and, you know, I can't wait to be honest, uh, even though I'll be uh I'll probably be booed uh, right off the field for 90 minutes, but uh, I can't wait to go back and, and just, you know, be in that environment again and, and just kind of see, see what, you know, we built in one year, them included, the players included, the staff included, the organization included. It's just something that to see all that come to fruition in, in our home country more than anything is, is really special. And hopefully that can be the benchmark for the CPL and that can be, you know, sort of the the model, the I guess you can call it the golden child of the CPL, right? And we can hopefully build those markets in in Calgary and Edmonton and in York, close to home for me would be fantastic. Obviously, we know that the attendance is a little lower there, and we're working to build that. But Halifax is definitely the gold standard in the CPL for that. Amazing. Uh, yeah, it'll definitely be weird to see you uh, wearing a different jersey. Um, so hopefully, you'll be on the the losing side. So. <laughs> So, so, so speaking about like uh, York, so I don't know if you can talk about this, but like obviously the, the Wanderers let 15, 16 players go in December. Is there any way you can tell us like why you, you didn't come back this season? Um, to be honest, there the, the only thing I can say about it is that the fit wasn't there. The, it was mutual. Um, towards the end, it was mutual. Obviously, um, we definitely discussed coming back. We definitely discussed you know, being back for the season and now initially was, you know, was the plan. And, and, you know, I had spoken prior to the season ending, that was the plan, right. And, and prior to having spoken to other teams and, and having been reached out to and those sorts of things, but 
yeah, that's why I'm, you know, I love my time in Halifax. Um, you know, coming home and, and playing for York nine was something that always caught my eye, obviously as a, as a hometown boy, I'm sure Oxner could tell you much of the same about playing in Halifax, but yeah, I mean, I, I really enjoyed my time there is, is all I can say. I, I definitely, you know, from myself and Steven definitely have still a good relationship. We spoke throughout the whole process. So it was definitely, you know, a transparent, uh, a transparent, I guess you can call it a conversation. And it was just something that at this point in time was something that I needed to consider, you know, coming to York 9. The, the opportunity for me to come here was definitely something I needed to consider seriously. Um, but yeah, I'll never forget my time in, in Halifax and who knows what the future holds. To be honest, uh, this game is so unpredictable. So, you know, the, the only things I can say about that is that at the beginning, that was the plan. Um, towards the end of the season, when we had spoken, that was definitely the plan. Uh, things got derailed a little bit, for sure. But we still maintain those friendships. And, uh, and yeah, I, I'm, I've, I'm happy here. Uh, you know, I found a team that I, I feel that a club that, you know, not only is it close to home and, it, and it, in the familial side of things takes over, but more than that, I, I think it's a club that can, that can win and win now. So, you know, for me, I, I'm definitely happy to be here. But I'll never forget my time in Halifax, and I enjoyed it, and it's, it's something truly special for me. And like I said, it's it's unforgettable. Yeah, it's kind of nice to know um, from a fan's perspective that you you're leaving like with um, it's amicable. It's not like a, a kind of a nasty breakup. <laughs> so I'm I'm sure all the fans listening will be really glad that you're you, there's no ill will and you kind of left on good terms. So uh, thanks for letting us know i know it's kind of a touchy subject so um i appreciate you being uh, yeah i know it's bittersweet i i mean like i said i enjoyed my time i loved it and and i have no problem talking about it. i know sometimes in the you know on twitter and the media i get a lot of that sent to my phone and 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 you know it talks you know it, it makes it a little bit more sounds like it was a nasty breakup sort of thing and it's really just mm-hmm. not the case uh, i have nothing but love for halifax and the, and the club and the organization and steven in general I, you know, and all the players that are returning that I know, and I wish them nothing but the best. I wish you guys nothing but the best on match day when you're facing the team in green. Uh, maybe not so much, but, you know, hey, all the best, you know, with everything else. And uh, no, but <laughs> jokes, jokes aside, it's all love. And, and honestly, this is just on, uh, an unfortunate part of, of football, these kind of breakups. But it was definitely it was definitely not a nasty one. It was definitely one that, you know, it, it was difficult. I have to be honest. It was a really difficult decision, but uh, but yeah, I have I have a special place in my heart for Halifax. I always will. Now that you're in Europe nine, you're playing with Apsi. He's to me, he's one of the best left wingers in the league. Um, have you get the chance to talk to him? Because you guys are going to be defending, you know, and your new team teammates. Uh, do you have? Uh, are you guys bonding? Uh, what has been your your impression now that you are in York? Yeah, I think uh, from day one, you know, when I when I went into training camp, it was uh, it was a very intense environment. It's very demanding. I think uh, they were definitely not happy with where they finished in the standings. Uh, they were not happy with the inconsistency, and then they're trying to up that. So credit to them for you know recognizing a problem and wanting to fix it. Um, in terms of teammates, yeah, they're, they're following suit. They they weren't happy. The returning players are not happy and. You know, they've brought in players that I'm also familiar with. Um, I've played with, you know, a handful of them already and, and know of them and played against um, a lot of them last year as well. And uh, we're quite familiar with each other. Obviously, the league is quite small. So you make friends um, playing in this league for sure. 
But uh, yeah, everything's been good. I mean, there hasn't been much time to bond other than when we went to Orlando for preseason. But prior to that, it was kind of it, it was kind of two three weeks, and now we're off with this, you know, COVID thing. So it, you know, it's been a it's been a transition again. Like I said about moving from one team to the next, there's different styles, there's different demands that the coach wants of you, and then you're trying your best to meet these, you know, always changing demands as you change teams. So. Uh, everybody's been really welcoming at the club, everybody, you know, in terms of players and everybody's been always supportive of, of me and recognizing that it is a transition and always wanting what's best. Um, myself and Abzi, yeah, we spent some time talking. Uh, he's uh, definitely a fantastic player. Uh, I look forward to working with him at the back line, at the back for sure. I don't know that we'll be playing right next to each other. I'm not sure whether I'll be playing on the right or the left this year, but, uh, yeah, wherever I slot in, uh, you know, Amori on the on the right side is is a fantastic fullback as well. So I'll get I'll be in good company this year. And uh, like I said, I, I think they brought in players that that show that the club is willing to win and win right now. And uh, yeah, that's kind of infectious, right? You start to get that itch to to win as well, and you start to get that itch to compete against your against your competition within your position. You know, against the other attackers in training. And what it does is it just elevates the the level of the training sessions, right? And it elevates that compete level. And ultimately that's going to, that's going to translate hopefully to, uh, to another, you know, successful season. Do you find it uh, not funny, but uh, surreal that uh, you used to uh, play with a Peruvian in the Wonders, which was Juan Diego. And now you're going to play with another one that they actually played with him in Universitario back home with him, that it's uh, Adriano Guarisa. Uh, have you talked to Guti about this? Yeah, yeah, we spoke uh, when he signed. When Ugarita signed, I I spoke to him. I said, "Hey, do you know uh, do you know Adrian?" And he and Guti, he said, "Yeah, of course. We played together, and he's a great guy, and you're gonna like him. He's a good good forward." And I actually got to he met us in uh, in uh, in Orlando for preseason, so I got to know him just a little bit. Obviously, just for about ten days before we obviously had to split up because of this uh, this break, but. Yeah, I, I mean, I spoke to Guti, and the irony there is that, you know, myself and Guti, we became really good friends. We were actually just on uh, FaceTime yesterday. Uh, our fiancés were together, so, you know, she was there, and sorry, rather, my fiancé was with me, and, you know, obviously Paloma, his fiancé was with him, and, you know, we get together and we chat because we spent so much time together in Halifax and became great friends over the years. So uh, I don't know that that'll happen with Adrian. I hope so, but uh, from what I hear, he's a great guy, and I look forward to getting to know him. Uh, Guti uh, def- uh, laughed when we asked him the question about uh, Dairy Queen. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was a, that was a cheat meal staple for us. We definitely, uh, he, you know, for him, he's he's new to he was new to Canada and new to all these restaurants, right? So we have these cheat meals every once in a while. We would schedule them depending on our schedule when we could fit them in, and and uh, you know, Dairy Queen was one of the spots I said, oh, you have to try Dairy Queen, of course. So when I brought him there, he fell in love with, you know, Blizzard and he still talks about Blizzards. And he said, I, you know, we were chatting the other day and he's like, I miss Blizzard so much. He said, you don't miss Canada. You just miss Blizzard. He said, no, I miss Canada, but I miss Blizzards more, you know. So he's, uh, yeah, yeah, he's, uh, he's a character yeah. for sure. When we were talking to him, uh, I think we've convinced him to open the first franchise for Dairy Queen in Peru. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I, I'm just just talking about York. Um, I, I know that uh, Paul Stalteri is going to be the assistant coach this season, Canadian and Tottenham legend. Uh, how how excited are you to be uh, to play to play for him? Yeah, I mean, it's always uh, like you know, it's always great to be in in good soccer company, of course, and. I think that's something that is 
is almost difficult, I guess, as, as you know, as, as a Canadian, it's difficult to find. Um, we have such a, a, a brief history in soccer and football. We don't have too many absolute world football legends, right? And we have Paul Solteri that comes in. We're blessed to have him. You know, he's uh, he's obviously an intense guy, and he's got us, you know, kind of on the on the back foot to start the season, and we're kind of trying to catch up with his demands and what he expects of us. But um, I think it's all because he's he's seen the level. He's seen a higher level, and he's, he's trying to prep us for that, right? So um, definitely a treat to, to have him there. And, 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 you know, for me as a defender especially, you know, he's played in the back line, and, and uh, you know, when he speaks, I, I try and absorb as much as I can because, you know, these guys have played at, at levels that we can only dream of playing at, right? So, um, yeah, it's, it's fantastic. I think from an intensity perspective, from a football perspective and a learning perspective, you know, I'm, I'm big on the growth and, and the growth mindset and always trying to make, you know, always trying to make strides, whether that be 1% every single day or whether that be a large stride with, with a crazy discovery. Most of the time it's the 1%, right? And each day that I can be exposed to, to a high level of thinking or a high level of uh, football IQ, I try and soak it up as much as possible. Yeah, he's definitely played at uh, really high levels. Like I know he played in the Bundesliga as well. So um, it's quite, it is kind of cool for you guys that like you have somebody coming in with that intensity and that uh, will to win. Like it can only push us forward, right? Yeah, definitely. It's uh, yeah. He he came in and I think his presence was felt from day one. Definitely, I think uh, you know his his demeanor, his uh, his attitude, his professionalism. It's something that he he kind of it kind of spews out of him even when he's not trying to do it right. It's kind of ingrained him at, in him at this point, and you know he takes he takes his role seriously and 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 I respect him for it. You know he's he's quite he's quite adamant about the little details and and that's kind of that's kind of the you know from what we've been told is is the difference between getting to the next level and and not or having you know being a good player and being a great player and those sorts of things that that are all cliche but. You know, Paul seems to have been there and have made it, so he must know what the little details are. He must know what these sorts of things, the differences between good and great is, right, to, to play in the Bundesliga, to play in the Premier League. So, yeah, I mean, like I said before, he's, he's an intense guy. He definitely brings the standard up. He definitely brings the intensity up uh, of, of the training sessions from start to finish. And, uh, and yeah, he's, he's someone that obviously, given his, given his playing career and his playing experience, similar to Jimmy, obviously had a – had a good career as well. When they speak, you you listen, right? Um, on a side note, um, as I mentioned, I'm a sports fan. Can you get me his autograph? <laughs> yeah, I'll definitely have a word with him. I'll, I'll ship it to you on a on a York Nine jersey. You just have to. <laughs> <laughs> Minus the York Nine part, that that was actually awesome. <laughs> um, so I I know you mentioned there before you moved to Halifax that uh, you were playing in in Rome with a. Uh, Pardon my Italian. Is it Visartina? I don't know if I'm saying that yeah, right. Yeah, Visartina. Yeah, close enough. Yeah. Um, so, how did you enjoy playing in Italy, and uh, what were your favorite parts of the experience? Yeah, it was. Uh, I really enjoyed playing in Italy. I think it was a big culture shock for me. I think that took some time to uh, to adjust to. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's very different from North America, not only from a football perspective, but from a life perspective. It was a much a much more humble and simple life for sure. Um, something that you know we don't have, you know where I was living and, and I had one TV right. I didn't have a TV in every room of the house. I didn't have you know electric stove. I didn't have all those sorts of commodities or amenities that we take for granted here in North America. 
but you know, it's, it's enough to get the job done. And, and what it teaches you is how to enjoy life a little bit more rather than getting caught up in these sorts of simple materialistic superficial things. Right. So, uh, I take that piece of life and I bring it with me back home and I bring it with me and I try and apply it into every walk of life going forward. Um, from a football perspective, it was, uh, yeah, it was again, another culture shock for me as a player, you know, going into a situation as a midfielder, especially always kind of getting on the high press and trying to look for opportunities to press. And, and in Italy, it's, it's quite the opposite. Um, they, they're big on the repress, but once you settle in and the team establishes possession, you kind of drop off and you stay in your shell and you stay in your, not rather, really a shell rather, but a block, uh, whether that be a high or medium block or a low block. And, and you kind of are absolutely committed to being disciplined and not stepping out, not even one centimeter, right? So they focus on those kind of details and those sorts of things is not what I was, were not what I was used to. Um, from a physical perspective, the one thing I can compare is that they were quite, you know, dumbfounded with my physical prowess. And, and you know, there's so many like me in, in the league, uh, in the CPL, in North America in general, where we do have that sports science, we do have that, um, that lean, I guess you could call it that leaning towards, can we improve the body? Can we improve it from a science perspective? Can we make you run faster, jump higher, and those sorts of things where they're focused more on the football, right? And they're focused on, you know, they don't really care how fast you can run. They don't really care how high you can jump. They don't really care what your, you know, what your conditioning is like. Rather, can you play in tight spaces? Can you, you know, it was a little bit more of a, an emphasis, almost to an extreme where I didn't agree with it, obviously being a person who studied kinesiology and, and those sorts of things. Um, it was completely against what I had, had learned in my, in my educational career, but you know, uh, yeah, it was, you know, the players could play. That's one thing I could say, you know, it it was fourth division in Italy, but you definitely saw some technical players and, and guys that, that could definitely even make a difference here in the, in the CPL. And, and I say that with a heavy heart, obviously, because it doesn't sound too good to say that there are you know, there are players in a fourth division that could come and play in our first division and be and be difference makers, but that's the reality. And that just speaks to how many good players there are everywhere. And it was a humbling experience, honestly. When I first got there, um, you know, playing in those tight spaces, games like 11 v 11 in half a field, you know, you only have two touches, you can't play the same player and you need to score with one touch. It really gets you thinking, right? The ball's kind of bouncing like a ping pong and it's moving at a pace that, you know, when you open it up and you play in a full match afterwards, the game seems so slow, right? So there was certain things and certain philosophies. I also had a great coach playing at Vicentena. So it, it was definitely something that, like I said, the football and the life part that I take with me and I try and walk with uh, into the future. But it was it was definitely uh, an experience more than anything, more than just part of my career. It was a life experience. It was a football experience that that you can't simulate without having actually been in it. So um, yeah, I was super grateful for that, but uh, it was definitely much different from what we see here in Canada. And following uh, Anthony's question, um, Italy is perfect for center back. It's kind of uh, the perfect place, the perfect league. How do you, um, what do you think about that in terms of how much the Italian Cantenaccio, it's the, the friendly way that they say it, um, you bring into your game nowadays? Yeah, I think, um, like I said before, um, you know, defending is something that was always in my mind about getting the ball back, right? And and here in North America, we're heavy on pressing and repressing and, and, and having basically wanting to 
establish a high intensity of the game and force the team to play at a, a pace that they're not comfortable with. But in Italy, it's a little bit different where there's patience. You, you're not, you're comfortable not having the ball for a little bit of time, right? And you're more about the, you're more on the disciplinary side where you're staying in position and you're not giving the team any gaps or any holes as a back line for them to play through or to play over and reading cues and these sorts of things. I think it's a much more of a, a thinking game. Um, and yeah, I, I, I try and apply that now. I, I definitely find that before I went there, I was definitely a little eager on the tackle and eager to win the ball back and cause some fouls and, and sort of silly ones where you kind of watch them back and you're like, oh man, like, I really didn't need to tackle there, right? And, and that sort of thing opened my eyes when I had yeah. played there, right? The, the chasing and also because they are, they are very technical players, Chasing at the in up at, at the wrong moments just leads to you stepping out of position and leaving a gap in your formation, right? So you need to pick your moments. You need to do those things. And and what it did was it taught me a little bit of patience and discipline, right? So when I now when I come back, I mean, you guys saw me play all last year. I mean, I didn't. I wasn't much of a tackler. I wasn't. I was rather a player that intercepted balls. I was a player that got to positions early and just dealt with the the danger and trying to alleviate the danger before it got into a dangerous area. Um, you know, being okay with delaying and waiting for help. Those are the sorts of skills that you bring back um, playing in, in Europe in general, I find uh, just from watching, even at the higher levels, players, center backs as well. They're not so eager to tackle anymore. They're not so eager to come in and crunching tackle like we're used to. And I think that, you know, that's, that's attributed to the evolution of the game in Europe. And I think that slowly, slowly Canada will adopt that, but uh, we're, we're, you know, accustomed to these, you know, the four major North American sports where it's all about the big play and tackling and crunching tackles and, you know, body shoulder to shoulder bodying players and these sorts of things. And I adopted a little bit more of a finesse style of defending, a little bit more of a patience from playing in Europe that I that I try to apply. And I think it's actually at the forefront of my game. It's changed me quite a bit. Yeah, it's it, it, I, we were talking to, to Peter like actually last week and he kind of said, uh, Carlos had asked him about like his lack of yellow cards last year. And he, he he mentioned that's the exact same way that he plays. That it's uh, it's all about reading the game rather than just diving in and getting silly fouls like that. So it seems like you've learned quite a good bit um, from your time in Italy. It was something, like I said, it was it was a culture shock, right, from what we're used to in Canada. So I had to learn and learn quickly, right? Would, would you like to uh, play abroad again? Yeah, I mean, listen, I'll be honest. Uh, being abroad for, you know, for that that amount of time was not easy especially given the geographical location and the time zones and it was difficult from a from a familial perspective to be away and and my family is you know number one to me and it always has been and and we we all have you know here we have such close relationships that to not be able to speak for extended lengths of time is is not easy um from you know a perspective of even my relationship uh, it definitely didn't, you know, we definitely had our head on, sh- our heads on straight in terms of, you know, preparing ourselves mentally for the opportunity to speak, you know, perhaps only one hour a day or 30 minutes a day, depending on our, our contrasting schedules. But uh, yeah, I, I mean, from a football perspective, if I could look at it in a vacuum, um, it was one of the best experiences that I've, that I've ever done. And I would definitely be open to doing it again. That being said, um, when I did do it, there was no CPL. And now that I can play in my home country, I feel proud to do so. And uh, I also would like to grow with this league. So um, I'm kind of just taking it one step at a time. And, and wherever, you know, wherever the wind blows me, then then I'll make the best of it. What do you think? Um, 
as a center back, um, you need to improve in your game for this season compared to last season. Is there any area that you were lacking of, or you think that as an auto criticism, you said, okay, I play like this, I did great, but I'm lacking of this in this area. Is there some specific area that you would like to improve in your game? Yeah, I think there's I think there's always room for improvement in, in almost every area of your game. And obviously the things that do well are, you know, playing out of the back and those sorts of things. But I think that could also get better. Um, you know, I think, uh, you know, we talked about discipline and, and discipline is not something you have or you don't have, right? There's varying levels of that discipline and that focus. And, and there was times last year where I did, I did find myself pulling pulling out of position or I did find myself eager to win the ball and and you kind of got to check yourself back in so you go back and you watch these these moments right and and these these exercises where they're just fractions of a second sometimes right and and it's more about you know evading danger than it is putting out fires right you want to you want to put the fire out before it even starts and and those are sorts of the, the sort of things that I'm looking at um even when you know a goal had happened from the other side. Uh, I look at what my role was in that and, and how I can evade that danger and how I can, how I can make strides or make my team better um, with my positioning and what my position and my body position and my body language, what does that speak towards the team and how does that conversely affect, for example, last year, what Rampersad, where Rampersad was standing in relation to myself, uh, stopping a cutback. Had I dropped too deep and therefore Rampersad was too deep and therefore the cutback still got through, et cetera, et cetera. There's tons of examples that I could go over. And, and I did. After every match, I, I would watch the game in real time. And, and then I would watch only my actions from the game and, and try and improve on that. And I'll do the same this year. But uh, yeah, as a, as a whole, I guess, always trying to improve on, on everything in, in a general sense. I know it's a terrible answer, but from a specific, from a specific uh, part of my game, yeah, I think just staying focused for 90 minutes. I think there was times where I had, you know, 89 or 90 plus minutes of, of complete focus and, and technical clearances and proper things. And, and there would be sort of one lapse and, and perhaps it didn't cost, but one lapse is one lapse too many for, for the mindset that I approach the game with. And yeah, and, and also, like I said, uh, trying to make the situation better and, and trying to find ways and elevate that level of thinking in order to you know, put out the fire before it even starts. So that's kind of where, where I'm at with, with my game and, and I'm comfortable with my style of game. The thing is also in your efforts to improve, you don't want to change who you are as a player, right? If I, you know, my tackling percentage was low, I'm not a great tackler or, or I was clumsy with my tackling, then that's pretty simple, right? That's a quantifiable number that you can always improve on. However, if the number of tackles is down, then that just means that I'm just not a tackler, right? And I, I'm pretty sure I was, if I'm not mistaken, I might have been at the top, if not one of the, the top defenders in interceptions or players in the league in interceptions. That's obviously a strength in my game. So you don't want to change yourself in your in your pursuit to improve either, right? So you're trying to sharpen those skills. And and obviously, you know, there's there's obviously parts of your game that you can improve on as well, but you don't want to change the style of play you are because that's what got you to the point you're at now, right? As a professional. Where are your top three center backs that you admire? My top three center backs. Uh, I can give you one and then I can give you a space and then I'll give you the other two. Cause they're, for me, it's one by a long, a long mile. And then there's two and three. Obviously it's an easy one. Virgil van Dijk is not only in the way that he, not only in his success, 
but in the composure that he put, that he brings. And obviously, easier said than done. But I was asked this on a previous show uh, for a local York podcast, and they asked me who do I try and model my game like, and it's Virgil Van Dyke because the way that he plays. Not only do I have similar traits, obviously not to the same success levels, clearly. However, you know the composure that he brings, even in situations where he's one v one, or the composure he brings, the effortlessness he brings to his defending is something that I would I aspire to, right? And and that's the gold standard at this point in, in football, in world football. But yeah, he's number one. And then two would be for me, it would be a Fabio Cannavaro, just because of his ability and accuracy in his tackling. Not so much he did do a lot of tackling for a center back, but what a player, you know, what a what a fight in him and, and what an accurate tackler. He was someone that he was someone that, you know, if he didn't tackle you know, he didn't tackle rather if it wasn't absolutely necessary. And the third one for me is uh, is probably Leonardo Bonucci from Juventus. And it's only because of his passing range. He's got an unbelievable eye to break pressure. Um, he does it with absolute ease. He picks out long passes, short passes uh, with, with accuracy. He does it with both feet. Um, he's done it at an international level. He's done it at at a, at a club level as well. And, and those are sort of... I guess when I talked about each one, I talked about a certain trait, right? And it's like, if you could pluck one skill from each of those players, that's why I admire them so much, right? So, you know, their one particular skill is what makes me admire them so much. Solid choices, because Virgil van Dijk, it seems like he's very clean to play, and he's also very cold-blooded, like he's always calm. And with Fabio Cannavaro, everybody knows like he is. He was captain, world champion, right? So pure class defending. And Bonucci is a great, great defender inside the box. I like how he maintains his spaces and he he pushes everybody. He, he's a really good defender. So it's only choices right there. Two of them are Italian, but can you blame me? <laughs> Not at all. They were like, they're good defenders though. So <laughs> no worries at all. That's a pretty awesome backline to have. Um, I'm sure every striker will be quaking in their boots if they saw those three coming towards them. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I, I just had I just had one more question. I, obviously, we don't want to keep you here all night. So, uh, but I could talk football all night to be honest. Um, I know, I, I know you started a charity in memory of your brother Jason. Jason yes. Swish. Um, um, can you just tell us a little bit about that and how can people donate? Yeah, I mean, the irony of this of this podcast, you know, this this meeting that we're having here. His birthday was actually yesterday, so that would have been 10 years since he passed. Um, we, he passed away in 2010, and uh, yeah, I, I mean, my family and I obviously it's, it's something that we hold the charity dear to our heart. But what it was initially was was a way to fill the void and, and make something positive of of obviously a very tragic situation. Um, he passed in a in a car accident, well, from complications of a car accident. Um, he went to Sunnybrook for two weeks and and fought for his life there and to no avail obviously um it was an unsuccessful fight but we were all there with him and and uh it was just his time to go and uh we decided that it was time to make positive of that and the people at Sunnybrook did such a great job um you know caring for him and and giving him a fighting chance and and those are the people that we we donate to so we donate to the Sunnybrook Trauma Care Center um we've been doing it for 10 years um for the first two or three years we were actually a charity soccer game and uh yeah it was it was you know it was just something like i said to fill the void and give a little bit of money to 
to Sunnybrook and uh, which is the hospital here in Toronto um, where Jason was and and you know we quickly it quickly caught traction and it quickly garnered you know a couple hundred people and it started to grow and we've built this community of uh, of people and you know the, the branches have have slowly grown and touched other people and you know friends and family and and people that we don't even you know we don't even know are, are coming up to us and telling us you know, they had such a great night and a great event um, and they'll be back next year. So, you know, it's something that truly, it truly is fulfilling uh, beyond the reaches of football, beyond, you know, anything uh, from a career perspective, from a, from a, you know, it's just the ability to give back and, and do so in, in such a positive way and, and also give people something to remember and, and also keep my brother's memory alive is something that, that my family and I, we hold dear to our hearts and, uh, and it's something that we couldn't imagine had we not done it, what the, what the healing process would have been like. So it gave a lot to us and we hopefully are trying our best to reciprocate that. But um, from the event as, a, as, an, as an evening, as, a, as an event, and what it actually is, is that it's a charity uh, dinner dance fundraiser. Um, you know, it's, it's, we don't like to call it a gala. We don't want it to be so formal. Uh, rather, it's just a dinner and a dance, a little bit of entertainment. Um, you know, we have some raffle prizes, we have silent auction and those sorts of things. And, and yeah, I mean, it's, uh, like I said, it's, it's an evening to get together and, and remember and, and also create new memories and, and establish connections between, you know, old friends and new friends. And every year it's great to, to catch up with, you know, a lot of my, my brother's really good friends that he went to high school with that they were, you know, he had, you know, 10 best friends and 20 best friends and, you know, you don't get to see them much. Everyone has their own life. And uh, as everyone knows, you get caught up sometimes. But it's it's sort of like that benchmark for us to reconvene. And, and yeah, and slowly, slowly, like I said, the branches are reaching out. We're touching other members of the community here in Toronto and other people that are that are touched by the story and, and are affected by their own uh, tragedies. And, and they want to give back as well. And, uh, yeah, it's it's really fulfilling, but it's also really... Um, enlightening to see how many people actually do care and how many people actually want to help a good cause and actually want to be a part of it. So uh, we've included the businesses in the community. We've included, you know, obviously the individuals that want to help and people have reached out to us to be volunteers and, and we've created this good group of, uh, of staff and, and, you know, uh, it's family. I don't like to call them staff, but for the most part, um, then, you know, there's friends of Jason there's, you know, there's, and then there's people that literally are so distant from the cause. You're not sure why they're contacting you, but they're touched by it. And, and, you know, those people want to help as well. So, like I said, it's something super, super fulfilling from a, from a life perspective that, that, you know, as much as playing football was my dream, uh, I couldn't, I couldn't feel a happiness other than the day after that fundraiser when we, when we, you know, we give all that money to Sunnybrook and that sort of fulfilling exhale after all the hard work is done. Um, to know that we're honoring my brother in such a positive way is, is something that uh, is, has helped my, not only myself, but my mom and the rest of my family from healing. That's a, it's a great way to honor his memory. It's, it's really nice. Kuti just sent me a message to ask you one question. <laughs> May I? <laughs> Absolutely. Go ahead. Fire away. He told me to ask you, who's the fucking president? <laughs> Uh, do you guys want to hear the story behind that? He unfortunately, unfortunately, I have to say, unfortunately, I have to say that Thomas Schublack is the fucking president. However, the story behind that is it, it actually became 
our game, you know, as a card game president. And basically you're trying to do is empty your, your hand and whoever does so first is the president. And then you establish sort of like these roles and the person who finishes last is the, is the ass. And they have to give their two best cards to the president. So it sort of becomes an uphill battle for you to play. So, you know, it became a really intense game. And, and one day Gucci kind of said, you know, I'm the fucking president, you know, and he kind of just shot us all. He kind of got us all laughing. So that's kind of where that reference comes from. But, uh, but you can tell him that I said he's not the president because I'm pretty sure Scooblock won 99% of the game. <laughs> I'll, let, I'll let him know that for sure. <laughs> that's amazing. Uh, thank you so much. I know it, it's been a, an hour, so I really appreciate you taking uh, the time to hang out with Matthew. It was, it was, it was awesome. The, some great insights there. Uh, thank you so much, man. I really appreciate it. Yeah, no worries. Anytime you guys want to have me back on, uh, I'll be happy to do so. I really enjoyed it. Thank you to Matthew and Carlos for joining us this week. We wish Matthew all the best at York 9 this season. Of course, not when he plays against the Wanderers. Make sure to check out part two of our interview with Mitchell Bailey that will be available on Tuesday. Thank you to everyone for the support. We really appreciate you taking the time to listen to the podcast. Don't forget to subscribe at downthepub.ca so you never miss an episode. Please try and shop local where you can as our local businesses do need your help. Take care of yourself. Until next time, cheers.